Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mana Ministry. We are thrilled to have you here yet for another episode in our current mental health series entitled Truth Prescriptions. My name is Chriselle Olasaran, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And joining along as a co-host is Dr. Katie Elson. Welcome. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Yes. So thank you once again for joining us. We have another subject in mind that we will be reviewing. But prior to that, we do have a disclaimer as we have in every episode. And this is just to inform you that the intent of our series is not to provide nor to even substitute any professional advice or even diagnosis or even at the point of treatment. However, what we do strive to do is to utilize the Bible as a spiritual guide in improving our overall mental health. Yes, and we do always want to recommend as well, if you're in a crisis, if you have an emergency, to call 911 or your doctor, or here you can see if you have suicidal thoughts, 1-800-273-TALK. And that's actually going to be super relevant for our topic today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yes. And so let's go ahead and review our subject matter from our previous episode. So the title was Dare to Forgive, and I love that this image portrays action taking place, right? We talked about the power of forgiveness and the struggle it is to forgive, but how empowering it is when we do it not only for ourselves, but also for those around us. Katie, can you give us a brief summary of like what we went over regarding forgiveness? Because it wasn't just the typical forgiveness, right? What was the take-home message from our previous episode? Now, Crystal, that's a hard question because it was such such a powerful and thorough presentation. And I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to say watch <laughs> the episode because it was that good. Um, like you said, Crystal, it was really empowering us to go above and beyond. Right? We have lost the understanding of what forgiveness really is. And we need to better understand what it is and what it is not in order to then forgive and release that prisoner, which we know Mm -hmm. is ourselves. Yeah. So I guess it's safe to say, right? We dare you to watch the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. And so last week we had an application and the application was identify the areas of or persons in your life that are in need of forgiveness. Secondly, apply the steps outlined. And so if you're not aware of what those steps are, please watch the episode. And thirdly, don't forget the anchor, God himself, Christ of your forgiveness, right? Okay, so this week, we are not on the subject of forgiveness, but we are on another, I was about to say sensitive subject. Um, It's a very delicate subject. I think that's the more appropriate word. And the subject is suicide. Our episode is entitled The You in Community. And community is something that we all desire, that we all need, but oftentimes we don't find ourselves having that need fulfilled. So we're going to talk about that in the context of suicide. Um, So We're going to take two perspectives, but before we actually dive in, I I do want to start with a word of prayer, considering this is a delicate subject. And so, Katie, do you mind opening with a word of prayer? Not at all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you for another episode. We want to thank you for just the 
the privilege and honor it is to talk about these delicate subjects. And God, we want to ask for your Holy Spirit to really use us and speak through us and also be with our listeners and our viewers. God, I pray that um, if anyone is watching this episode that is having suicidal thoughts, I pray that you may please be with them. Send your angels, even in this very moment, to be with them, to comfort them, to strengthen them. And I pray that also those that are viewing that may not have suicidal thoughts, but that they may begin to be more aware of of this, God, that you may put a strong burden on their hearts to be able to reach out and to help others, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, someone may be wondering, the you in community, what does community have to do with suicide? And so we're not going to necessarily address that head on. But we will begin opening the subject of suicide, and then we're going to make connection to what does community have to do with suicide? So, Katie, why are we talking about suicide? Why is this relevant in terms of our mental health? Yeah, so um, we're going to stop sharing the screen for a little bit, and we'll pop it back up um, as we talk about some statistics. But the reason why we're talking about it, well, for, for different reasons, right? We are in a series of mental health and you can't talk about mental health, mental health difficulties, mental illness without talking about suicide. It is real. It is prevalent. And we'll talk about how prevalent in a little bit, but it's prevalent. As I just mentioned, we're also in the sub-series of emotions. And we'll talk a little bit about how suicide is related to emotions and then suicide and the pandemic, right? We're still in the pandemic and we see a correlation between how long the pandemic goes on and the adverse effects of it, the quarantine and so forth and suicidal rates, Mm -hmm. as well as an odd type of correlation that we often don't think about. And that's of suicide and springtime. Now that's, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit as well, but you know, most people think, oh, you should talk about suicide during the holidays but it's actually the highest rates of suicide is actually during spring, spring and summer, spring leading into summer. Um, And so we're going to talk about that as well. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to also dive into understanding how to prevent suicide, the role that you play, the role that I play, the role that all of us play when it comes to suicide prevention. Okay. But let's kind of wrap our minds around Just how prevalent is suicide? What are the statistics? Because yes, we may turn on the news. I know that there was a recent death of Miss, I believe Miss USA in 2019, um, that she ended her life to suicide. And there was a mayor recently that also ended his life to suicide. And there are countless stories, those who make it on the news and those who don't, right? So it's very sad. So what are the statistics, Katie, for us to really understand the heaviness of this subject? Yeah, so um, first off, we're just gonna kind of start off with the the basic, and some of you may have heard this, um, but suicide is among the 10 top leading causes of death in the US. Now, this is a little bit older. You see there 2019, they don't have a most recent update. Um, But if you think about of all the causes of death, right, we see here, there's homicide, there's heart disease, there's If you think about some of these diseases that it mentions, even like diabetes, you think, oh, that's so prevalent. You think about maybe all the family members that you know that have heart disease or diabetes and so forth. And then you think, wow, suicide is among the top 10. 
Now, just not just top 10, that's overall across all ages. But what's astounding is you see that from ages 10 to 34, it's the second leading cause of death, right? Mm -hmm. That is huge. Now, not only do you you want to make a comment, Crystal? Yes. And also to recognize that um, we don't know necessarily if other causes of death are related to suicide. And so that's just those who have come to the conclusion that it has been suicide. And so there may be even higher numbers that we're not aware of. Yeah, very true. On average, they say there's about 130 suicides per day. That's huge, right? That's unfortunate. And that's one thing to emphasize is that that is preventable, right? That's not just something that's outside of our control. And that's really why we're having this episode is to talk about what is in our control, how we can be, how we could actually reduce these statistics, right? A lot of times we don't have control over what we see in the news and over coronavirus and other things in our lives, but we do have an element of control in this suicide pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and then just a side comment as well, and I'll, you can see it on here as well, but it's not only about how many suicide you know, how many people die by suicide, but in 2019, there's 1.38 million attempts, Mm -hmm. like 1.38 million people attempted suicide. That just breaks my heart, right? To think that there are that many people that are suffering. And Katie, there's a progression, right? It's not a matter of someone just ends their life. And so if you see the other statistic here, 12 million Americans have serious thoughts of suicide. And so they may not be acting upon them, but these thoughts are permeating in their mind. And so the question is, how are we going to address that? Can it be addressed? Is suicide prevented? Is there something that can be done? Yes. Yeah. And you notice here, 54% of Americans have been affected by suicide in some way. And we'll talk about that in a little bit of if someone dies by suicide, it's not something that that person is just gone. It impacts people around them. It impacts the society at large. It impacts you. It impacts me, right? So 54%, I think that's a low estimate in really thinking about the ripple effect of suicide um, and the effects of suicide. And so another statistic that is saddening to hear, but is the reality that we face is that every single year, these rates in terms of suicidal rates continue inching higher and higher and higher. And over the course of the decades, there is a scene, as you see, right? Yes, you pulled it up, Katie. We see this increase in terms of the suicide rates throughout the year, starting from, I can't see here on the way on the left. What is the first year, 2010? Yeah, so this is not a comprehensive graph. Um, They say generally from 1999 to about 2018, it's been a 35% increase, 35%. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. Now, what's actually interesting is you notice that it ends here at 2018. Now, let's kind of move into what would we expect for the rates in 2020 and 2021, now 2022 with the pandemic? Well, logic would seem to suggest it has continued going up. Is that the case, Mm -hmm. Katie? 
So it's not. So with the the most recent data that they had in 2020, the rates and numbers actually dropped by 3%. Hmm. Right. So people might be thinking, but I thought, you know, things got worse, right? Mental illness got worse during the pandemic. What's going on? So people are not exactly sure why, um, but they have some, you know, hypotheses. They think that perhaps um, for some people during the pandemic and during the quarantine, there's actually more connectedness, right? There are more families coming together, even society. Um, They have this uh, phenomenon called pulling together that during a natural disaster, um, society and and neighborhoods and other uh, groups of people actually come together. They pull together in order to be unified, to fight or to um, recover from a natural disaster. So if you actually look at research, they see that there's a correlation, there's a negative correlation, right? When there's a natural disaster, suicide rates or mental illness actually goes down because of the fact that connectedness increases, which goes along with our topic today. Mm, So it makes you wonder, is that the key to suicide prevention? Connectedness? Yeah. Now, contrary to that, um, some people believe that um, actually there's a decrease in suicide rates because there was less pressure to socialize. So, oh, um, a lot of people have social anxiety. A lot of people have anxiety just, you know, being out in public. And so there's less pressure because you are forced to stay home. There's also less bullying, right? Less other um, components of interpersonal conflict, which is a huge stressor. So we're talking about, yes, there could be benefits of connectedness, but there can also be cons of depending on if those could be toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. Very true. One other thing to consider, though, is although generally there was a decrease by 3%, there there was actually an increase in different subgroups. So, for example, among um, Blacks, um, Black Americans, as well as some Hispanics, uh, Hispanic, Latino uh, cultures, there was an increase during the pandemic. So what that teaches us, what that tells us is that Suicide uh, can, although it's you know something that we talk about on um, a larger scale, we would really have to look at it from an individual level and see how it impacts different people in different ways. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about suicide in springtime. Now, Chriselle, have you heard of this before that uh, there's actually higher rates of suicide uh, during springtime and then also into the summer months? I've heard into the summer months. Um... And not so much of the springtime, but in terms of the summer months, what I've heard is that with the increase of temperature, that it can swing our moods, it can make us have a little bit more disruptive behaviors, more iterable, etc. But not quite so much about the springtime. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so interestingly enough about there's a 20 to 60, 20 to 60% suicide rate uh, increase or kind of at the higher rate. Let me say that again, 20 to 60% of a higher suicide rate during springtime than compared to winter. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned a component of it, Chriselle, it's warmer weather. So springtime, it starts to warm up, Mm -hmm. uh, which also can result in more serotonin, which some people would say, well, isn't depression, aren't you deficient of serotonin? But for individuals who have suicidal thoughts, often they're low 
um, serotonin levels, often they may have the thoughts, but they don't have enough energy to actually act out on their thoughts. That's where often also some people you can hear this phenomenon of if someone starts on antidepressants or certain medication that actually increases their energy, they could be prone to uh, acting out on their suicidal thoughts because now they have enough energy to actually plan something and go through with a plan. Mm. So which, you know, later on when we talk about like what we can do to support others, just because somebody's feeling better doesn't automatically mean, okay, they're out of the woods. They could actually be in more danger. Mm. Um, Also uh, with springtime, you know, we had like this emotional and social hibernation during winter months, Mm. but now there's that pressure to socialize. Okay. Now I have to come out. Now I have to have more social interaction. And with that, sometimes people come out of that hibernation and they have more social conflicts. They have more disappointments. They're looking forward to that connection. And then they have that deep sense of lack of connection. So what's interesting is they, they did a study to kind of test this hypothesis in Austria um, among inmates to see, you know, do these inmates also uh, where, you know, they don't have the, the pressure to come out. I mean, not they don't have the pressure. They can't come out. The freedom. Um, <laughs> exactly. So um, it was trying to test, do they also have this increase in suicidal behavior during uh, the springtime? Like, does it change from season to season? And it didn't. So they wonder if it's not just, you know, maybe the warmer weather, um, but maybe it's also that uh, they have a lack of pressure to socialize. And then another theory is um, springtime allergies, which you might be like, oh, that's, are you sure about that? But no, actually allergies, um, the the allergic symptoms are potent markers of inflammation. Mm. So the body's uh, response, it responds to irritants. And that, again, that increase in inflammation can also um, be correlated to depression and other um, suicide type uh, concerns. So one study showed that the suicide rate significantly increased when the pollen count increased as well. Mm, interesting. So there could be multiple factors that can contribute to statistics when it comes to suicide. Yes. Right. Yeah. But I think the take home message is that we are struggling with this in our society and it could be for many reasons, but regardless of the reason, I mean, I, I have a desire to want to, to try to change this the best way that I can. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because if it's not me struggling, it could be someone else struggling. If it's not someone else struggling, it could be a friend that's struggling. We are, we aren't immune to suffering. Yeah. Now, Grisel, you and I will talk more about the approach, how we can prevent suicide as a community, but we just wanted to spend a few moments talking to the individual, right? If you're watching this and you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, what are some things that we we recommend? And so we do recommend um, reviewing our episodes. Yes, there's so many resources out there, but because we know that you're currently here watching this episode. And so you could also connect with the other episodes, review how to manage your thoughts. Are there thoughts that are impacting how you feel? Regulate your emotions. We've gone through the cycle of emotion in a previous episode. We've talked about forgiveness in the most recent episode. Maybe there are 
It's resentment that you're holding in. It's making you feel hopeless and leading you into having suicidal thoughts. And so there can be multiple reasons, but overall, I think the take-home message is work on your mental health daily. Don't wait till it's too late, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of that is being informed and what's the best approach to manage my thoughts, to manage my emotions. Sometimes people tell me, I don't need therapy. I'm not crazy. Crazy people aren't in therapy. People who are suffering, who need help, who want to improve their mental health are in therapy. Yeah. And I would add to that. One of the biggest components um, of suicidality that I've recognized in, in my practice is people are overwhelmed, mm. overwhelmed with pain. Mm. And I'll, I, in all my years of doing therapy, never have I met anyone who truly wants to kill themselves. Mm. And I asked them the question, I asked, if I could relieve some of your pain, mm. if you could have the confidence and the hope that that pain, that feeling of overwhelmed, would go away or, or at least reduce, would you still want to mm -hmm. live? Never have I had anyone say no. The and, so, here, what, and so mm -hmm. that tells me that the, the actual problem is not suicide. It's not actually suicidal thoughts. It's feeling overwhelmed and not knowing what to do with that. And so and in some ways, it's an urge, right? It's an urge that comes over and that urge is so strong, that pain is so strong that the only possible idea of what to do with it is to escape to a place that has no pain. And that place in their head is a place where they're no longer alive. Hmm. So I truly believe that suicide is not an actual desire to kill ourselves. It's the desire to relieve our pain, our suffering, and feeling so overwhelmed with the pain of this life. And Katie, that makes perfect sense in context to addictions and our episode on addictions. Oftentimes, we're not wanting to end our life, right? And so we find remedies in other shapes and forms, remedies, right? And then Oftentimes that doesn't fully address the healing part, which we know, right? And then people are thinking, well, I'm left to do this. This is the only thing left I have. Yeah. And you're not alone. Throughout the Bible, it's very normal in the Bible. Bible's very open about it, right? Job's like, oh, you know, curse the day that I was born, right? It would have been better if I was not even born at all because he was dealing with a lot of suffering right? It's, it's almost normal or natural to go to a place where you hope that there's no suffering. But death is not the answer. There are other things, there are other resources, there are other ways to manage that, including what we're going to talk about today. Now, a couple of other things that I just want to talk to those who may, you know, suffer from um, my struggle with suicidal thoughts is there's a book called Stay. And it goes into all the arguments uh, against suicide. And, you know, I'll just outline a couple. She says, the first argument is that we owe it to society at large, and especially to our personal communities to stay alive. 
And she goes into it more. She talks about the, the contagion. And I actually want to read this because um, we often have this temptation, this thought to believe nobody cares. Um, no one will notice that I'm gone. But the statistics on the contagion aspect of suicide is they're real and they're very high. So she says here, I hope to bring to light is that suicidal influence is strong enough that a suicide might also be considered a homicide, a strong, whether you call it contagion, suicidal cluster. So meaning that if somebody um, dies by suicide, it often has this ripple effect. And then so-and-so, so let me just back up a second. She's a, a writer and she started her, uh, one of her friends uh, died by suicide and then another person died. And so she started seeing these clusters. She also calls it sociocultural modeling. Our social sciences demonstrate that suicide causes more suicide, both among those who knew the person and among the strangers who somehow identified with the victim. If suicide has a pernicious influence on others, then staying alive has the opposite influence. It helps keep people alive. So stay for others. By staying alive, she says, we are contributing something precious to the world. And, and I love that because people sometimes believe that they're worthless. People believe that they have, they're contributing nothing to the world. And maybe you don't see your talents or gifts yet, but the fact that you're alive, you staying alive is already, as she said, contributing something precious to the world, especially in a world where people are telling you to give up, to quit. For you to stay takes a lot of courage and gives a precious gift to the world. So that's her first main argument. The second argument, she says, is that we owe it to our other selves. She says, to our future selves. Mm -hmm. She says, that I hope to rescue from history is that the suicidal person owes something to his or her future self, a future self who might feel better and be grateful that the person who he or she once fought, who once was fought through the terrible times to make it to something better. And I can't tell you how many clients I have who said, I'm done. And they persevered and their life today is better. Mm, so true. Like I have clients who could have never imagined how good their life is not just a little bit better. When you are overwhelmed, and I'm talking to those who may have be struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you are overwhelmed with those thoughts, with the feelings, with the pain and the suffering, and you can't see out of it, know that there have been people like you who have suffered, who said, I'm done, I can't do this, who persevered with a little bit of hope, that's all you need. Mm. And they got through it and their life is better today. So stay for others, stay for your future self beautifully said katie beautifully said and it's just a matter of changing your perspective yeah yeah so when it comes to the subject of suicide it's very important to take a moment of self-reflection what are my beliefs because as in the same way that other subject matters come we are influenced by our society, we are influenced by multiple factors around us. So when it comes to suicide, the question is, what are your beliefs? And the reason why we ask this is because when it comes to suicide prevention, 
your beliefs can hinder you from being the you in your community. And so or they can just, help you take an active role in being part of that community. So I just wanted to comment, Griselle, when you say suicide prevention, what exactly are you saying? Because we're transitioning from the talking to the individual struggling with suicidal thoughts to now we're talking to the individuals that are to support that individual who's struggling, right? So just so that people can understand, we are now talking to an audience that can support to, to, to help that, as we're talking about, that community around that person. Mm-hmm. So what is suicide prevention and, and who's the audience? Who does this apply to? Well, this applies to all of us. But yes, I understand we are shifting now into the perspective of how can I play the active role in my community to be able to help those who may be those suffering, as Katie had mentioned earlier, with thoughts of suicide, who may feel, be feeling hopeless, who may be suffering with intense emotional pain. How can we then help them? And so, as I was saying, it's important for us to first recognize what are our personal beliefs when it comes to suicide. If we believe that it's an individual problem, mm-hmm. then we're not going to engage, but it's a community problem. This is not an individual problem. This is a community problem. Secondly, it can be prevented. I have done extensive suicide prevention training across all of the county here, and I have heard many individuals say they don't think it can be prevented. And so if that is the notion that you're coming through with this, it'll be very hard to participate in this you in the community mindset. Uh, Thirdly, it's help seeking is encouraged by open and direct and honest talk about suicide. Is that hard? Yes. I remember when I was back in school, I don't know if Katie can attest to this as well. We were trained on how to ask if a patient was having suicidal thoughts. And the first couple of times that I had to do that, it was odd. It was strange. I felt almost as if I was invading someone's privacy. But then I reminded myself, I'm doing this for their safety. I'm doing this because I care. I'm wanting them to know that I care. You wanted to say something, Katie? Yeah, so I just agree with that. And I I would say too that often it was kind of anxiety provoking because sometimes people have this misconception that you're going to plant an idea in someone's head, Mm -hmm. right? If I ask, then all of a sudden they're going to start thinking about it. But that's not true whatsoever. That's not true. We cannot convince others to end their life. We don't have that power. Right, Katie? Yeah. Um, Oh, you wanted to say something? Mm. Oh, okay. Also, it's important to recognize that relationships are the context of suicide prevention. Hence, you in the community, right? The you in community. Relationships are so powerful. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the power of relationships And then intervention should be the main suicide prevention focus. What does that mean, Katie? Intervention should be the main suicide prevention focus. Well, what comes to mind is action, right? Being intentional about intervening, not just kind of sitting back and watching or sitting back and waiting for somebody to come to you. It's being involved, intervening um, as the main focus. Yes, exactly. So that then leads us to the next steps when it comes to suicide prevention. And Katie, what's the first step? So the first step, it's going to sound really simple, 
um, too easy maybe, but it's actually very hard, especially in this type of society that we live in today. It's I will listen. It's a commitment of I will listen. Yes. And so making that commitment, you're recognizing around you, okay, suicide does not discriminate. And if that's the case, then everyone around me could be having suicidal thoughts. Age, there's no, it does not discriminate even when it comes to age. It doesn't discriminate when it comes to culture. This is around us everywhere. So essentially look around you because anyone around you could be struggling, right? They say, they say, how do you know someone's suicidal? Mm. They're smiling. And it's this idea that people who are struggling hide it very well. So I remember when uh, Robin Williams, right, died by suicide, people were so shocked, right? He seemed so happy. He seemed so, and you can fill in the blank of maybe other people that you've, you've known, or even with Miss USA, people are like, oh, she's so beautiful. She's so accomplished. You can't look at the external and say, oh, definitely, they're struggling, they're suicidal. And so um, I'm glad, Griselle, that we'll talk about individual risk factors to give some people some awareness, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you, you need to be open to just really look, be aware, and to listen to those around you. Yes, because individual risk factors, they can cue you in but doesn't necessarily mean that if a person is going through this particular risk factor, such as let's say bullying or going through a divorce or going through a relational breakup, that that means they're having suicidal thoughts, but it is a risk factor to consider, right? Now there are individuals who they're very high functioning, so they could be smiling and walking around. So it does require you to hone in a little bit more. And we're going to talk about that in terms of warning signs, but before we get there, what are some individual risk factors, Katie? There could well, be many, of, right? Yes, there could be many. Um, one of the things that come to mind as we were just mentioning is like a severe uh, stressor, like a recent severe stressor. So with the pandemic, when it first hit, there were a lot of different news stories of doctors, nurses, and others um, in the medical field dying by suicide because they had a recent severe stressor, they were overwhelmed by the long hours by seeing death by COVID and seeing horrific having trauma. And so a lot of them, and and then one of the biggest factors was they were feeling a lot of guilt of, oh, I either gave it to a, a patient, or maybe I gave it to a family member. And so a recent severe stressor, it could be a recent breakup, it could be, as you mentioned, a divorce, it could be bullying, it could be anything. And and remember this, if it's a stressor to that person and perceived as severe for that person. So you might be like, oh, that's nothing. Don't dismiss it. If it's severe for that person, it's going to impact that person. And remember suicide coming from a place of feeling overwhelmed that they want to escape. Yes. And so if I were to sum up individual risk factors, remember they're individual, (laughs) but there could be many risk factors and risk factors. You just To summarize that is any way that someone suffers and struggles could be considered a risk factor, right? Katie could even be physical health problems could be managing chronic pain can be many different things. Okay. 
Now, warning signs, I think that when you look up suicide prevention, there could be lists and lists of warning signs. But I, I used to take this training um, entitled Safe Talk. Look into it if you want to be trained further into suicide prevention. And I really love how they put warning signs in the context of invitations. When we struggle, we do invite to some extent help. But oftentimes it's not direct. I, I don't hear people going around saying, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Anyone want to help me? And that's not to mock that. It's just, that's the, the reality of it. We don't do that. But there are other ways that we do send invitations. And so we see invitations in the form of seeing things, hearing things, sensing things, and then learning about things. So for example, we may see all of a sudden that a friend of ours is becoming careless. They had everything in their life very organized and now they can care less. What are other things, Katie, that we can see in terms of invitations? Um, I mean, this is a little bit more explicit and a little bit more obvious too, is if they're harming themselves in different ways. So mm. they're, they're choosing to go to bed super late and, and I'm talking about kind of a change in function, right? They're like, just, I don't care anymore. So they're going to bed super late. They're maybe using a substance or they are actually self-harming through cutting or, you know, some people, especially, um, well, no, I don't want to, you know, exclude, I don't want to be too specific, but sometimes they'll, they'll intentionally wear long sleeves, even during summer months, because they're trying to hide their scars. Um, but just trying to see, are they, you know, harming themselves and doing reckless behaviors all of a sudden they're driving fast and they're like, I don't care. Let's have fun. Right they're, they kind of are giving up on life. Yes. And so going back to the importance of community, we're not picking up on what we're seeing. If, and what I mean by drawn away, I'm not meaning like you are living in your home and not going out sometimes even by going to your doctor's office, going to an appointment and you pull out your phone and all you're doing is texting, scrolling, waiting. You're not looking around and seeing people. Mm -hmm. You know, so it really does require you to fully be present to pick up on these invitations. So let's move forward for the sake of time. Hearing, oftentimes we can hear people say, I'm all alone. I've heard patients say, I just want freedom. I just want freedom. Um, there's no purpose. I want to escape many different things. Um, another thing that I've heard some patients say is, oh, you know, I'm just giving away my things. And it's like, oh, but this is so valuable. That's your favorite pet. That's your, that's your, that's pretty much your child. What are you doing? And, and you, so you, you hear them speaking in ways that like, this doesn't make sense. Right. Um, yeah. And then sensing this one really requires being in tune because you can't really sense without being in tune. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, um, but you can sense when someone is hopeless, right. When we see their body mm -hmm. language, we can sense when someone's ashamed, when they're desperate, you can sense these things. And so listen to that sensing that God has given in you to connect with those around you. Um, and then learning. Um, this also requires you to have relationships because if I never spoke to Katie, I would never know what she's going through. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to challenge us a little bit. And I work on myself as, with this as well. It's very customary to say, how are you? Good. Okay. <laughs> but we don't open the book further from there. Get to know everybody around you because everyone has a story to share, right? Mm -hmm. Katie, any, anything else regarding invitations? 
Well, I want to say something, just another risk factor to consider. Um, mental health professionals tend to consider this more, but it can also be helpful for you to, to know of is if they have a family history of suicide uh, attempts or any family members dying by suicide. So it's like, oh yeah, my mom died mm -hmm. or, you know, my friend died or whomever may be close to them. Again, uh, there's a contagion to suicide that that person may say, well, mom's not here anymore. What's the point? Or, mm -hmm. you know, I just be okay. This is also going along the lines of hearing, you know, if I just don't wake up in the morning, right? And sometimes people do not actively try to kill themselves, but they are passively trying to do it. They stop taking their medication. Um, maybe they have diabetes and they're not taking their insulin and they just are giving up on life. But I loved what you said, Chriselle. We have to slow down and be present. And that's something that people struggle with immensely these days. Right. I even noticed like I was I went to get an oil change and I was there and I was sitting and you have like that moment of awkwardness, you know, and so you like pull out your phone. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, like I'm going to pull out my phone, awkward, awkwardly stare at these people until some <laughs> conversation happens. <laughs> and these two mm -hmm. women started talking about, you know, one woman, you know, went through a liver transplant and she was opening up and another woman's like, Oh, you know, where do you work? She's like, Oh, you're a psychologist. My husband struggles with this and this. And I wouldn't have been able to make that connection unless I was fully present. So mm. are you being fully present no matter where you are? What if you could prevent a suicide on a plane ride somewhere? Maybe someone's on that plane to pack up and to, to end their life. And you chose to mm. smile to that person. You chose to speak to them. So being fully present and listening and learning and sensing and seeing wherever you are, not just in your friendships. Yes. And that's where, where I will listen becomes very practical, right? Yeah. And okay. Chriselle, I think we can just jump down to positive connections as, yes. as a protective factor, because that's kind of where we're going with this conversation. Yes. Yes. And so I think one of the most powerful protective factors is having positive connections. But the question is, are you a positive connection? Because if we're over here saying, okay, suicide prevention involves positive connections, but there's none around you, then be the first one, step up and be that person, be a positive connection. And you may be asking, okay, well, what does it mean to be a positive connection? Well, I love the Bible and I'm sure all of you are aware that both of us truly believe in the power of the words from the Bible as a spiritual guide in our mental health. Well, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So the power of not just being a friend, but becoming, how do you say family essentially, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is where it becomes no longer just, okay, you are you and I am I. Yes you exist, I exist, but you begin to create and bridge your existence together and having a bond together. Um, yeah. What else would you say, Katie, in terms of positive connection? So we're talking about something that's protective and we're not just saying, yes, we talked about connection, but this is a positive connection. So mm -hmm. you can just take a pause, both you, Chriselle, and our viewers and think about who's somebody that you've met 
or that you know in your life that just brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Right. And even just thinking about that person, you can light up in that very split second. They are having a positive impact on you in that moment. So the question is, are you a positive connection? Do you bring sunshine into their dark room of their lives? Right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a smile, whether it's an encouragement. So Chriselle, you bring sunshine into my life, right? The, we were just sharing this morning of how um, your, your, you had a patient that was very discouraged. And you went out of your comfort zone to sing to her, right? That's odd in a therapy session. (laughs) And because you did that and you shared that with me in my session today, I was like, wow, I have a a person. He was kind of very discouraged in in that moment. I was like, okay, what what can get you out of it in this moment? And And then there's a verse that says, a merry heart is good medicine. And there's a song. So I started singing, a merry heart is good medicine. And so being intentional about being a positive connection, a light. The Bible also talks mm-hmm. about being a fragrance diffused, right? Mm-hmm. Are you a positive fragrance, a positive light and even salt mm-hmm. in the earth? Yes. Yes. And secondly, part of being a positive connection is also going around and being part of the power of validation. And I know Katie, that there is a YouTube video that we're not going to, sh- we're not going to share and show at this point, but we are going to mention because it, it really hits home to the importance of the positive connection. Do you want to share briefly about that video? Yeah. So you can just YouTube validation, short clip. It's a black and white short clip. Um, and it just shows the power of validation. So, um, he, this individual, he is intentional about seeing the good in people and then selling, uh, uh, sharing that with them and, and, and telling them that. And so he's like, you know, Chriselle, uh, I just really appreciate, you know, how, how much, like, I love your laughter and I love the joy that you bring to, to people's lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is being intentional. Now, often we struggle because we give empty compliments or we're very critical to one another. But be intentional about changing that. Now, you don't have to validate the invalid. Validate the valid. And you can, I can promise you this, you can find good in everyone, right? You can, even if you don't know them too well, you can say something that you genuinely need, right? Mm -hmm. And the same way that how you feel when you receive, right? If you think about when you've been validated, that is the power of validation in someone else's life. And I will say this. I've been so surprised about the power of validation. When I say something to a client, a lot of my clients start crying and I'm like, why? Mm. No. And then they respond like, no one has ever told me that in my life. I'll tell them, oh, I'm so proud of you. And they like, look at me. And I'm so surprised because I forget about it. But we are in a world that is starving for connection, starving for validation, starving for love. Really, that's what it is. And so and I just want go ahead. I just want to take a moment then and I don't know who's watching this, but I want to validate you because this episode subject is sensitive. It can bring up a lot of emotions, yet you're still choosing to watch this to educate yourself so you can be a better person for someone. So mm-hmm. thank you for doing that. Yes. And Crystal, you know. We, the first one is, I will listen. That's a commitment. I will listen. I will be present. And then what we're talking about with validation is mm-hmm. also the second part, which is 
I will care. It's not just being present, but caring. Yes. Yes. Because sadly, sometimes we listen and then we just, okay, I don't know what to do. And so I just, I don't know what to do. And so I'll just walk away, listen and care. And so I know you may not know what to do. So this is some practical steps in terms of what you can do. So number one is just have the courage to ask. And I'm not necessarily saying to ask directly, are you having suicidal thoughts in that moment? Okay. Direct question will come later, but in that moment, no bond with this person, get them comfortable to talk to you and just talk to them human to human, brother to brother, sister to sister. Okay. It's beautiful in the Bible, right? It says here, the power of our words, know the words, be mindful of the words that you choose to say. And if you don't know what to say, pray that the Holy Spirit impresses your heart on what that person needs, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words in that moment. Katie, what are some biblical verses that you think can really hone in into the power of our words and knowing our words? Yeah, so Proverbs um, has two really good verses, Proverbs 15, 23. It says here, um, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And due season meaning perfect timing. So basically it's saying a word spoken in the perfect timing, oh, how good it is. And think about that again for your own life. When somebody says something just when you need it, it is powerful. Now, Proverbs 25, 25, 11, I believe it's 25, 11. Let's see here. Yes, it says a word fitly spoken, perfectly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, right? If you think Mm. about settings of silver, and this is gold, right? A word in due season, how good it is. Yes. And so the power of our words, right? So have the courage, know the words to use, and then start the conversation. Now, some people are like, well, this is so awkward. Like, how do I bring it up? utilize the invitations that they sent to start that conversation. So for example, you could say, you know, I I hear you say often, you talk a lot about like not having hope. And, and then at the same time, I've learned that, you know, you're, you just went through a recent breakup. And so I'm concerned. I would like to know, are you okay? And if they say, I'm fine, say, okay, so how are you doing then? Tell me a little bit more about that. And if you start noticing that, They're not really doing well and the concern for suicide comes up. And then that's where you follow through with the direct question. Now we really emphasize direct because there have been times where you could ask, do you plan to harm yourself? Some individuals do not necessarily equate harm to suicide. Okay. They may think suicide is the perfect solution. Suicide is my escape. It's not harming myself. It's my freedom. And so Mm -hmm. they will tell you, no, I'm not going to harm myself. But when you ask suicide and you bring that word up, there's no way of not answering that directly. Okay. Um, So ask about it directly. And then upon having their response, reach out. What does that mean? Express your concern to them. I really like having the stance instead of saying you need help, we need to get you help. Be part of community, even in the way that you use your words. Don't isolate them through your words. We need to have safety for you. Let's seek safety for you. And so seeking safety is essentially connecting them to resources. I know that I've heard individuals tell me, oh, it's so overwhelming when they say, yes, what do I do next? 
I can't solve their problems. I'm not a mental health professional. Well, you've done your part. Now connect them to a resource. And there are multiple resources, resources in terms of a crisis text line, um, contacting a therapist. And remember, being part of community isn't just saying, here's a number, call them. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Check up with the person. Hey, how's your sessions going? Of course, if you don't want to share with me, that's perfectly fine. But I just want to, I just want to make sure you know that when I said I cared, I really do care. Mm-hmm. And my caring did it wasn't for the moment. My caring is throughout this whole process. Mm-hmm. And so reach out and have connections and resources for them. And I know every county, I don't know whoever's watching this, what county you're in, but every county has resources. If you look up the website, you can have them on your phone or et cetera and connect them. And we even have our national suicide hotline that we'll be sharing here at the end of our episode. But Katie, there's also biblical verses about talking about seeking safety and the power of connection. What is that biblical verse from the Bible? So this is probably the one I quote the most. Um, and it's Galatians six verse three says, carry each other's burdens. And in this fulfill the law of Christ. Now this is really powerful because when we think about the law of Christ, we think about Ten Commandments, we think about other things related to the law. But if you think about the law being God's character, the law being what God wants for us, He desires are good. He's saying what He desires for us, His law, you fulfill it by carrying each other's burdens, being there for one another. If I'm carrying 50 pounds, but I give you, Chriselle's, 20 pounds and someone else, you know, 10 pounds and together we're carrying it. It's a less of a burden for me. Now I want to just, um, to say something because I was imagining when you're telling people, you know, start the conversation, ask about suicide, reach out is that this, this was me. So I, I'm a person that I sometimes care too much. And mm-hmm. Crystal, you, you know, this, uh, even in seventh grade, I remember I had a, a friend that was harming herself and I was really concerned. She told me not to tell anyone if somebody tells you not to tell anyone, you need to tell someone. Yes. And, and you said, Chris, I'll reach out. And the reason is this. Don't give up as in don't just, okay, you know, you have the resource goodbye, but also recognize your boundaries, recognize what is actually in your control. If they mm-hmm. harm themselves, if they kill themselves, that is not in your control. If they, you know, if they are connected to a therapist or if they're not, or whatever it may be, you are not a mental health professional either. So you can only, you're only responsible for what you can do as a friend. And that's what we're really highlighting as a friend. You can start the conversation. You can Mm -hmm. ask them and then you can connect them Mm -hmm. to other resources because you can't carry that burden by yourself. No, no. And that's why we say, seeking the safety for them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately, sadly, in our society today, there's a lot of selfishness. There's this concept of the bystander effect where it's like, I'm sure someone else saw what I just saw, or I'm sure he has other friends that, that will connect him. Please don't be that person because the diffusion of responsibility is not going to help prevent suicide. If you've recognized that, take an active role in that moment to seek safety for that person. Okay. And then lastly, be approachable, be available, be able to help. Because if you're not that person who's approachable, who's available, 
if you haven't made that decision in your heart to listen and to care, you're not going to be the you in community. Now, Chriselle, you know, I think it's really important. Sometimes people are like, you know, I don't know exactly what to say, right? I, sometimes I, 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 maybe I can't be direct or, you know, uh, I don't know exactly how to help them. What's most important, most important, if you forget everything about today's episode, is just genuinely care. And if you genuinely care in that moment, and you're, you're concerned that your, your friend or your loved one or whomever it may be is in risk of their life, you're going to ask. You're going to not think about yourself, not, not, think, about, um, not think about your own comfort. You're going to go above and beyond. So, and if you don't say the right things, your friend's not going to judge you for what you say. What they, they say, you know, what's, what's the quote? They say... Um, they won't remember the words you use, but the way you made them feel. Exactly. That's the quote that I was, that I was, that I was thinking of. People will always remember how you made them feel, make people feel loved and cared for. And if you truly love and care for somebody, and I don't mean friends or family, I mean, even strangers, love and care for your stranger, for the strangers within your gates. It's also then asking because you're so concerned that they can harm themselves or they can kill themselves that you want to ask and connect them to further resources. Yes. And so in closing, we want to bring home a biblical passage, well, verses more like it, right, Katie, Um, regarding the power of community and how you cannot remove one person from a community because what happens is you don't exist as a community, right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 to 27, as along also with Romans chapter 12, talks about the body and the logical aspect of when one part of the body suffers, the rest of the body also suffers, right? So it says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So as much as I'm concerned about my mental health, be concerned about someone else's mental health. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So if somebody ends their life to suicide in our community, it affects us as well. Yeah. And that's why, Katie, as you were saying earlier, stay for others because you're helping someone else. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Mm. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. The power of community. It's not only a part of it, but it's valuable. If you think about that analogy for a second, let's just deepen it a little bit. I don't want to get rid of my hand, right? Now you, if you're considering suicide, you might think I'm worthless, right? Nobody will care. You know, nobody will notice that I'm gone. I will notice if my hand is gone, Mm -hmm. right? Now someone might say, oh, well, I'm not as significant as a hand. I will notice if my eyelashes are gone. Like if if you really did not have eyelashes, you will notice, right? Every part of your body is important. Mm -hmm. If you say, oh, so-and-so they're fine. I don't have to worry about them. They might be an infected foot, right? Your foot matters. And so every single person matters. And we need to stop acting as if we are individual parts. I'm just going to do me. I'm just, and that's a very selfish societal message today 
just do you, just worry about you, don't get involved in other people's problems, you know, with the isolation and the pandemic, with the quarantine. No, we are a community. We are a community. We talked about forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness is leading to healing and restoration of community. And suicide is another way. So lack of forgiveness and suicide is two ways that Satan is attacking the sense of community. But we were made to be one, unity in community. And the you in community matters. Mm. Powerful, Katie. Very, very powerful. Now, anything else that we want to share before we close today? Yeah, so I wanted to share a powerful miracle uh, in God's word that really highlights the importance of community. And, you know, not just as a story, but as an encouragement. And this is going to be part of our actual truth prescription, our application to take away from today's episode. And the miracles is found in Mark 2. Mark chapter 2, we're not going to go into all the details, but as a summary, basically there's this paralytic man. Okay, now, we, there's a paralytic man. So if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts in this analogy, you're going to be in this story, you're going to be that paralytic man that needs help. Right now, this paralytic man, you know, there's, there's this man called Jesus and he is able to provide healing. Now that paralytic man cannot get to Jesus, right? He's paralyzed. So many times people are so hopeless. They are so helpless that they can't get the help that they need and that they desire. And so what happens in the story? This paralytic man has four friends. So maybe you don't struggle with suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're the community, right? You're part of suicide prevention. You are those friends. And the Bible's very clear that these friends are the reason for this man's miracle. So if you are the friends, you have to, the first step is you have to know who's paralyzed. You have to know if they didn't know that their friend was paralyzed, they wouldn't have taken him to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So the first step is look around you. Who are the friends or who are the people, who are the coworkers, who are the strangers that you know that are suffering around you that need that healing, right? So if you're the one struggling, then you also need to let people know right? You need to know that they, they knew that he was paralyzed. If he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. So on the friend side, look around you on the paralytic side, let people know. Yes. Because if he had hidden himself, no one would have known that he was in need of healing. Exactly. Now there's the second component that is very clear. So the, the friends brought them, brought him to Jesus, but it says there's a key kind of little phrase there that the room, the house was, was packed. It was packed to the very door. They couldn't get him to Jesus. Now these friends could have given up saying like, oh, I try to connect this person to, you know, a therapist and the therapist didn't call back. Oh, well, or I gave them the national suicide hotline, hotline number. That's it. But no, these friends were persistent. They were so persistent. Crystal, do you remember what they did? Yes. And so just imagine Jesus is here in a home. And it's crowded with people. And so they could have just said, I guess I, we, this is not the time or place for this. They got that a paralytic man and through the roof, <laughs> they dropped him, layered, lowered him so that he could get the attention of Christ, the healer. Yes, Crystal. Now we could break that even 
further down. They carried him. So this, he's a grown man, carried him to the top. They had to break through the roof. Mm-hmm. This shows a lot of persistence. So step one, as a community, we need to look around us, see who's suffering. Step two, we need to be persistent. Now the paralytic man, he had to let people know, and then he had to let them help him. So mm-hmm. let people help you. When people, when some people are going to be coming to you and saying, how are you? How can I help you? Like, I see that you're struggling. How can I be there? Let people help you. And then the third thing is they finally bring them to Jesus. As you said, Crystal, they lowered him to Jesus. Step three is don't just be persistent to find healing and help, but bring these individuals to the best source of help. And that is Jesus. And the reason why Jesus is so healing, there are many reasons, but he doesn't change. He's loving. We've talked about him being the empathic healer, right? And he can provide the hope and healing that somebody struggling with suicide, suicidal thoughts need. But then on the paralytic side, you need to accept Jesus's help. And I know some of you may struggle with that. I want to do it by myself. I want to control on my own, but accept Jesus' help. So just again, as a review, if you're the friends, look around you, see who's suffering, listen, see, right? Be intentional about sensing, as you mentioned for self, right? Mm-hmm. Then be persistent, right? Start the conversation, ask direct questions, then connect them, seek safety for them. And then step three, present them, bring them to Jesus who can give them further healing. And then as a paralytic, let people know, right? Do it for yourself, do it for other people, for society. Let them help you, step two. And then step three, as you encounter Jesus, accept Jesus' help. And Katie, I think a further step from all of this is recognizing, just imagining being present for this miracle the profound impact it would have had on your heart to see the power of healing, to see that there is hope. And so sometimes we're so focused on ourselves, but as you mentioned earlier, stay for others. Having a change in your life is a testimony to someone else to give them hope as well. So we are functioning in a community, whether you are the friend, whether you're the paralytic or the witness to all of this, each component is part of one community. Beautiful. So the power of community, the you in community, and I pray that, as you said, Katie, may we be united, may we play our active role in the you in community. That's my prayer for all of us today. Yeah, Why don't we close in prayer, and then we'll give the truth application. Okay. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we just want to take this moment to to pray, Lord, for, for guidance in ways that we may not be actively playing a role in our community. Show us, Lord, in ways that we can be present for others, in ways that we can actively listen to those around us, in ways that we can actively care for those around us. I pray also that if there's anyone at this moment who's watching this, who is suffering, Lord, show them, Lord, hope. Show them that there is a better tomorrow, that there is a future for them, Lord. 
give them purpose in their life and help them to know, Lord, that they're not alone. I pray that they may be able to seek the help that they need and to, to, to receive that help, Lord. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that you continue to be with our community. Help us to love one another, to carry each other's burdens, Lord, and to be, to be so thankful for the community around us. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us and for answering this prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so our truth application, what are we leaving you to do until our next episode? So we have here, if you are contemplating suicide, let people know. Let people help. Let Jesus help. Look around you to see the suffering. Be persistent and bring them to Jesus. Be present. There's a world out there that is suffering. And so here is a crisis text line. Text hello to 741741 because I know that there are some individuals who do not want to speak to a person via the telephone. So there is a text line. And there's also the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. Be part of that community. Someone may be needing to hear this message today. So share, subscribe, follow with a friend. And we will see you all in two weeks. Don't forget to take your daily dosage of the truth. Why, Katie? Because if you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Amen to that. Take care, everyone. Bye. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.